Welcome back to the Fingers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Infante, a.k.a. DJ Disappoint Your Parents, and I'm broadcasting from sunny Charleston, South Carolina, here in Fingers HQ. Uh, this episode of the pod is an interview, our first ever interview with uh, with our guest Brandon Hinky of Pictures of Dives. I've been following this account on Twitter and Instagram for the past six months or so. It's at Pictures of Dives on both of those platforms. And I really appreciate the archival work Brandon is doing to document and celebrate America's dive bars uh, and the relationships that people have with them. Also, I just enjoy the shit out of scrolling through a seemingly endless reserve of photos that he's collected of these raggedy-ass dive bars across the country, and I bet you will too. Brandon and I spoke uh, actually back in early April, and I've just been scrambling to find time to edit this interview ever since. So Brandon, sorry for sitting on this for so long, and for the rest of you, just keep in mind that we spoke about a month ago. Uh, Everything's more or less relevant, I think. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that. Uh, As for what we talked about, Brandon and I spoke about a ton of stuff during our interview, including uh, how and why he started Pictures of Dives, um, the importance of dive bars in his own personal drinking career, uh, and how the pandemic has made dive bars already precarious financial and social positions in their communities uh, only that much more so. Really enjoyed this conversation, uh, and I think that you will too. If you do, uh, I highly recommend following Pictures of Dives on Twitter and Instagram. Again, that's at Pictures of Dives. And if you want to subscribe to Brandon's newsletter at picturesofdives.substack.com, I'm sure he'd appreciate that too. He's also got a website, picturesofdives.com, which has a pretty cool map uh, on which you can kind of plot out um, where all these dive bars actually are in the world. Go check it out. But not until you listen to this interview. Without further ado, here's the Fingers interview with Brandon Hankey of Pictures of Dives. Brandon Hankey, Pictures of Dives. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming on the pod, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Brandon, who are you and what uh, what is Pictures of Dives in a nutshell? I'm just some guy, uh, Chicago resident and uh, local drunk, I guess. Um, and Pictures of Dives is uh, what started off as a Twitter account and is now uh, Instagram, Substack, uh, as well as this podcast. Um, and it's just celebrating dive bars and watering holes, local drinking establishments, both past and present. Um, it's, it's, uh, a community of people who just like to drink. Um, and it, uh, started during pandemic when we weren't allowed to do that. You're doing something that I'm like very envious of when I hit you up to do this interview, I told you like, this is something that I've always like, kind of like wanted to pull off as a project, but it's, it's not that easy to do. How, how did this come to be? Like, how did you find yourself in the middle of this project? So um, the origin of Pictures of Dives feels uh, backward to me um, in the sense that like, I feel like I should have had a hobby of taking pictures of the bars I went to and then turned it into a Twitter account where instead I started the Twitter account first. I, um, I was like out. So um, just some slightly relevant background. I am from uh, DC by way of Virginia. Um, and then I moved to Chicago in the middle of the pandemic. The timing was supposed to be really smart. Um, we we're like, oh, me and my girlfriend, we're going to move uh, closer to her parents' house. 
we're going to move in March. We had the whole thing planned for like eight months. And then, you know, as soon as we moved, uh, hell broke loose. So it was not as smart as we thought it was going to be. So I was driving around because I was in a city that was shut down and I'm not super familiar with it. And I saw this bar called the Windy City Lounge. And I just snapped a picture of it and posted it on my personal account. And the caption was like, this is the platonic ideal of what a bar should look like. And it blew up, just absolutely went viral. Everyone started sending me pictures of their favorite spot. And I started the account that day. And I was just like, everyone keeps sending me pictures of your favorite bars. This is awesome. You know, tell me a story about it. So it, it like the audience was built before the hobby, which is a uh, sort of odd. I feel like I, I should have um, like been a guy who liked taking pictures before, uh, but it just, I sort of literally just fell into it. And then because of COVID, I've been sort of out of work, which is fine because it gives me more time to think about bars and take pictures of bars and talk to people about bars. When did you realize that it was like kind of going to pick up steam here. I mean, it's, uh, you know, like you, you not to like look at your numbers here, but like, it's got, it's got a following to it. Yeah. It's, it's North of 30,000 now. Um, I like 31 or 32, I think point something. Um, it, it, it caught on almost immediately. So it took maybe a day before it to break, um, like 3k, I think. And then, then I messed up and I, I wanted to set the birthday to the day I started the account, which you can't uh, do that on Twitter because uh, you're not allowed to be under the age of 13. And I just, <laughs> So Twitter like flagged you for being a minor posting pictures of grizzled dive bars in the Midwest. Yes, <laughs> that's that's exactly. So two weeks, after, maybe maybe a month after I started it, it was shut down for a month and a half. And then it came back and I was just like, okay, we're back. Sorry about that. And it hit 10 grand like a week later. Um, and it just, you know, it's been growing steady ever since. Uh, I don't know if there was like any single moment when I was like, oh my God, this is a thing. Because like, to be honest, it just took off immediately. So it was basically day one that I was like, oh yeah, this is going to take off. What do you, what do you attribute? I mean, the, the accounts had 32.8 thousand followers on Twitter. Um, you've got another like whatever, 1500 or so on Instagram. I know you have the sub stack. You built out a site for it. Like again, like as I'm very jealous of this effort because I think it, it, you do such a great job with it. And obviously like people respond to it. Like the whole goal of this sort of thing is to you know, sort of get enough momentum that people start, you know, doing submissions, right? And like that way you can cover more ground and like people are kind of surfacing these places for you. Like, why do you think you were able to kind of like, like sort of get that momentum? Like you think it was just a timing thing? Yeah, I think, I think, uh, so I started in June and I think that was like, at the time we kind of, we all thought that like, wow, we've been under this for a while, but maybe it will end soon. It was before, I feel like by July, we were like, oh, this is just the rest of our lives now. Yeah, be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I think in June was like, just just the timing of it, of like, I miss being in a bar. Um, Like, frankly, the longest time I have gone not being in a bar has been, since I turned 21, has been this period. And it has been the longest by a lot, because I used to go every week you know like i was a i was a regular i was a norm in like three different places and i i really this is back in this is back in dc yeah, this is this is back in dc yeah, yeah. um yeah. yeah and uh I, I i think it's just timing i think that part of it you know i don't 
I just post the picture and the name and the location. And um, sometimes if someone has a good story, I'll try to include that. But a lot of it is just the stories are coming in in the comments and the ats underneath, you know, like everyone, because it's just there, it's a little bit of a blank canvas. Everyone can just sort of start posting their stories of like, you know, oh, I met this old grizzled guy and he told me these crazy stories or whatever. But it's always been uh, 90% submission based. Most of the pictures are just someone sending it to me. I try to tag whenever I know the photographer, but a lot of them are, you know, someone sending me a copy of a copy of a copy. And, uh, you know, I, I, would, <laughs> right. I would like to get to the point where I'm posting much higher quality photos because <laughs> uh, a lot of them are just like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of a bar. Hopefully everyone's looking at this on their phone and they don't realize how blurry and terrible it is photo fidelity is not high <laughs> yeah no not at all i mean the stuff that you post I feel, I feel like you do a pretty good job like cleaning up the or at least like finding selecting photos that are legible at least i've turned down a bunch of pictures um and i feel bad only when it's someone who took it themselves but sometimes it's someone who like you know is like, oh, I took this picture last night. And I'm just like, oh, well, I don't love that you were at a bar anyway. And also you, this is the blurriest thing I've ever seen in my entire life, you know? Um, right, right. <laughs> not only is this not what we're trying to promote, but like you also did an objectively bad yeah, job yeah. with it. <laughs> I gotta say, I love getting just like super drunk pictures from people because it's just funny. But it's also like, you know, I always kind of ask, hey, this was from like two years ago, right? Don't actually answer that. <laughs> yeah, right, right. How many do you keep track of how many bars you posted at this point? Like, do you have a count going? It's over it's over a thousand, but I don't have I let me just you know what? I'm going to just look real quick. It's not going to be perfect because, um, you know, I, I tweet more than so I'm at. 1959 tweets and not all of those are bars um because i you know i shit post on there too um but it's gotta be yeah you got a you got a hot hand with the with the twitter fingers which i appreciate yeah Yeah. um so you know it's gotta be it's gotta be like 1200 or so i would guess at this point there are a couple it's a lot of bars it's a lot of bars there are a couple repeats um sometimes someone will just send me a picture and a story of a place i've already done but it's the picture is better or the story is too good to pass up and, right, you know, right. I'm just posting three a day, so I'm not I'm not too picky. Uh, a lot of times, you know. What is it that you do that you're able to maintain? I mean, three a day. I mean, even you know, posters post, but even even for like a, a high quality poster such as yourself, three a day is not not an insignificant amount of uh, of flow. On yeah. That. Well, God bless the um, the scheduling ch- tweets feature uh, on the the desktop version of Twitter. Because um, right now, like if I if I like drop dead in the middle of this call uh tweets would still come out through may 27th oh you've got a backlog yeah yeah so that's that's the secret is like it was Wait, f- hang on hang on a second brand you have three a day scheduled through a month i mean we're recording this in early or in like first week of april through may 27th so there are a couple weeks um that only are two it to it i think there's i think that in from now until may i think that there's like nine days where I've only did two a day. Sometimes if the well is running a little dry, I'll start um, scheduling less a day just because I'm worried that I'm the thing I'm most worried about is that one day just I'm going to stop getting DMS from people and I'm going right. to actually have like, and I, I have a couple hundred of my own pictures at this point now too, but I, I try to give 
um, submissions the priority because everyone loves seeing the bar they submit, submitted pop up on the TL. Of course, of course. But I am so uh, from now until May 27th, there's probably about eight days where you'll only get two. And I might go back and add a third to those days if um, DMs start picking up. Um, but yeah, the my biggest fear is that the well just runs dry one day and I uh, I lose the moment. Have you thought uh, Have you thought about what you're going to do at that point? I mean, obviously, at some point, we run out of dive bars simply to document. Any plans for wh- what that wh- what happens on that day? Do we shut it down? No, I'm going to just repost old bars. You know, yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully by then it'll be like five years into the future, and no one will notice. It's like, hey, you posted this in 2021. It's like, yeah, whatever. You know, um, and like when things open up again, I hope to start doing. You know, like taking going to more bars and taking more pictures because like having a bunch of pictures of the outside of a bar that has a big close sign on it, it uh, which is all I've taken in the last year is not ideal. Not tight. It's not a great vibe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I guess, I guess if the well ever completely runs dry, it will just become an account where I document wherever I'm drinking that night, which, you know, could still be fun. Right. On. Of course, at that point, like, and this is what we, you know, we were t- sort of talking about before, but like the DMs are sort of like the lifeblood of this thing. So hopefully people continue submitting. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I love, I love submitting. I love seeing these, uh, these dive bars, even though I've never been to 99.9% of them. It's just, it's fucking great. So I hope people keep that up. <laughs> yeah. I, I consider myself like a curator, you know, like I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just putting it out there for people. Uh, but it's, it's almost completely the community that I've built is incredible. And I, yeah, I, let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, you have, you have like a lot of people who are kind of, you know, following the account, like we said, about 30,000 people on Twitter, but you also have some people that are actually kind of like doing some legwork for you here, right? Like someone put together this map for you. You've got some you've got some power users now yeah yeah so on on pictures pictures of com, i have a section of the website called the hall of fame um which right now uh is showcasing two different people i didn't ask them to do this and i you know riley and uh lauren riley is a my graphic designer um for people who are new to pictures of dives um a couple times i've only done this about twice though i have plans to do this more in the future i'll do a a week a themed week or a themed month um where only a certain type of bar is getting posted um so during march Uh, We did Irish bars only for St. Patrick's Day. And then we did across the pond month or across the pond week. I mean, um, where we were just doing pubs from the UK. Uh, And uh, that started because uh, Riley just DM'd me one day and was like, hey, I'm a graphic designer. Do you want me to make some stuff for you? And she created the uh, POD logo that's on the the Twitter and on the website. It's a... kind of based off the USA Network characters welcome era logo, <laughs> uh, which is great uh, because I love Burn Notice and Psych and all those dumb shows. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Lauren just started collecting the bar's locations and putting them into a map. So I have I have both of them up on the website and the map is so cool. Um, just being able to like, you know, look at any city you're at and see a bunch of little little dots and figure out where you're going to go drink, you know. So tell me a little bit, you've got, you've got the posts. We, we see the bars, right? Like people love the bars, but like, you've also been doing some writing on the Substack on your Substack about, I mean, I'm fucking Substack guy myself for better or worse here. So, uh, I was reading some of your newsletters and you, I mean, you're a great writer, man. Um, yeah. Enjoy your shit. You know, like there's, 
it's not just about posting these bars. Like you've started to dabble a little bit in, in the sort of fucking, what does it all mean type question? Um, have you reached any bedrock on, you know, the significance of dive bars to their, to their respective communities? Like, is there any, is there any one universal truth that you apply to, you know, thinking about, you know, these bars as you're documenting them? So, uh, no, not really. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, the, uh, the Substack sort of spawned out of, again, my, my unemployment and I just needed something to do during the day. Um, so I started writing once a week. Um, and it, I haven't written one in a while because I've had job interviews, which is a good sign. All right. That's um, good. Right. Like that's I, really I, what you want to happen. Yeah. But I, I do hope to continue it. I, the, the thing I've been thinking about a lot, um, in this last year and just uh, even, even before then about like why we like dives and why we like bars and like the, the really unfortunate conclusion that I've come to is that the public public space in America is just absolutely gutted. And there's just not that many cheap places where you can go hang out, you know, Um, there's, and dives offer that sense of community, you know, maybe, maybe we wouldn't love them as much if there were more community centers or uh, more public spaces, but if the the commons hadn't been just absolutely annihilated by capital. Yeah, exactly. You know, like every, (laughs) every aspect of our lives has just been absolutely, you know, like Adam's eyes and we're all kind of stuck in our own places. And that was, that was true before uh, COVID hit, but it became so apparent and so obvious. And I think that this like romanticism of, of dives kind of comes out of that, you know, it's like, it's a place where you could go. You knew who was going to get you a drink. You, you wanted like, for me, I used to go to this bar, the Red Derby uh, in DC, and I wouldn't even sometimes like tell my friends like, hey, I'm going to be at the bar tonight. Anyone want to meet up for a drink? Because I know that if I just walked in, I would see someone I knew. And if yeah. I didn't, I would know all the bartenders. I knew all the regulars. Um, and like that's just you just don't have that sense of community really anywhere else uh, in in your life. Um, and I think that that's kind of why these places are so important. These unassuming, you know, you're not you're not getting dressed up to go. You're not going to spend all that much money when you're there. You can just hang out, kill a few hours and maybe get out of there under 20 bucks. Right. Right. And I mean, I mean, it's affordable. It's accessible. I would say like, I don't know. Let's get your take on this here. You're the expert, but like, I I would say almost like the familiarity of the people behind the bar and the people drinking at the bar isn't even the most important thing. Cause like sometimes dive bars, like the beauty of them is that, you know, no one and it's, you're completely anonymous in there. Right. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's good to have both. Um, there was there's a like like I like having the bar where I come in and everyone knows my name, but like I the Cheers like type to, vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like being Norm, but I also like just being the anonymous stranger. You know, sometimes it's nice to go get a drink, just sit at the end. You know, you're kind of on your phone reading something, maybe, and then just kind of sometimes the night goes off. Sometimes you just kind of hang out, and that's nice yep. too. Yep. Are there, you riffed about this in a recent newsletter, you know, about kind of the impossibility of breaking down, like what exactly constitutes a dive bar, right? And like, I, as someone who's like worked in media for about a decade and written about the food and drink space, like, I think I've probably authored like a couple of these fucking like, like lists about like what constitutes like a great dive bar. And they're like, I think they're totally doomed in the way that you like describe, like, why do you think it's so hard to kind of like nail down like what it's characteristic, what a dive bar's characteristics are? 
Because the first dive bar you go into is the definition of a dive bar and everyone goes into a different dive bar first. Like the the first time you go into a place that's kind of shitty, but you start going there regularly and you're like, this is what a dive bar is. And then you right. compare every bar to that original one and everyone has a different first. And so there's no, you know, there's certain things that, are similar across, but then there are things that people tell me that I just, I like don't even know where to start. Like someone told me once that a dive bar is a place that only serves beer. And I'm like, that, that's just not true. Like, that's, right. you like, you are wrong there. That yeah. is, that is you, you were drinking in someone's garage, which is fine. But that's <laughs> which is tight also. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a garage that right. I could drink in. But. Did you see that? There was a tweet that was going around a while ago that was like, um, uh, we must bring back like the hallowed tradition of building like full blown bars in, in oh your my God, from yeah. the seventies, <laughs> and it's just like a bunch of like kind of like sort of like sepia uh, like photos of like you know at the time boomers, but like they were in their like late thirties who had like built out like wood paneled bars in their basements. Like awesome, love this concept. Not a dive bar. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we we absolutely need to bring that back though. Um, when when I was and also home ownership for people who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for this yeah. generation and future ones would be ideal to bring back as well. <laughs> yeah, it would it would be nice um, uh, a, a nice side effect of like fixing every single problem in America is that we could drink at home in a cool place. I we can have this. We can do this. Like better things are possible. And oh, one, of, one of them one of them is drinking in your basement in. <laughs> With like a fucking like ceramic eagle behind like the fucking back bar, you know. Yeah. The next the next time we get a Bernie Sanders, he's got to run on something like that. You know, it's just like beer's too high. Where yeah. the price of beer's too high, we're gonna get you there. Then then maybe the Democrats won't fuck him. Make <laughs> people's lives better. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So yeah. So there's not there's no one thing. You, you know. You someone told you that. uh just to, to circle back around, because I took you on a tangent here. Someone told you that if if it served anything beyond beer, then it, it wasn't a dive bar. That seems insane to me. It sounds like it seems insane to you. Are there any, like, disqualifiers, things that, like, cannot be in dive bars? Like, for example, the absence of liquor is a disqualifier, it sounds like, in your mind. Are there others? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I think, I think that, like, there's... There's certain things that I'm like, mm, all right, that's that's a little much. Like it's a margin if, call. Like if if you're if you're in a bar and they serve you a cocktail with just one big ice cube, kind of suspect, I would say. Boot, boutique um, ice is a is a no go for you. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think, but like then I've been in some really shitty places that just do the big ice cube too. So it's it's not a perfect. There's certain things that are red flags, but definitely. Um, there's, but doesn't necessarily mean that it's uh, absolutely no go and a disqualifier. Just some things are, and some things aren't. You know. What about, what about the the sort of like the faux dive, the dive, the performance of a dive? Like, does that does that get your hackles up? To me, that's a terrible experience. Like, I hate that vibe. What about you? I think it depends. Um, so a a bit that I used to do every time I broke a new um, significant like number and followers, like 10 grand, 20 grand, 30, um, is that I posted just a chain restaurant that had like divey vibes. Right. Um, right. Like, like paraphernalia. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a, like I, I posted a Chili's two from the, I think the Dallas Fort Worth airport, which 
is a dive. You know, if you're drinking in a in the Dallas Fort Worth airport, like odds are you didn't choose to be there, um, right. <laughs> which I think gives it dive credibility that it right. otherwise wouldn't have. Um, and so, like, there are fake dives that annoy me. I think it's more like the um, like up when it's upscale, but trying to be divey. But I think, I think when it's like a chain restaurant or something, that's sort of, you know, Oh, I'm going to put shit on the walls and we're going to have something called the like Applebee's teeny that costs $2 and 50 cents. I'm like, you know what? That's a dive. Sure. I don't care. Right. Right. So, I mean, like, it sounds like you're very much of the like state of mind theory as oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an abstraction. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, yeah. One of the things I want to like, I love the pictures. I love the documentation. Like I said, I really appreciate your writing and sort of trying to explore like the meaning behind these things. And, you know, one of the things I appreciate the most about the work that you're doing, because it is work, I think it's like archiving, you know, and I think it's important. No one else is doing this shit, right? Like a lot of times, like the bar owners themselves aren't even doing this shit, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, is your like, or what resonates with me is that you connected a lot to your own drinking experience, but also like broader, like sort of socioeconomic themes and forces that are like shaping the environment in which these bars exist. And to that end, I want to read this quote from one of your newsletters. I forget which one you're talking about. It might've been, might've been, what was it called? The red Derby. Yeah. Might've been the red Derby. So here's a quote. I'm going to read back a quote to you here. You wrote this growing up is constantly experiencing tiny deaths of your sense of self. You no longer recognize the young drunk idiot in the photo from five years ago. You start to gag at the mere thought of a drink. You could have easily downed all night freshman year. 11 PM now seems like a perfectly reasonable bedtime instead of when the night starts. I was saying goodbye to friends. Sure. But I was also saying goodbye to the kid I was while living in DC. Tell me about like this. Like this is a very powerful sentiment, I think. And it like, I think ties in really well to some of the things that, pictures of dives does so well and evokes so well. I mean, there's like senses of loss there. There's senses of growth. Um, tell me about writing this and sort of like unpack that for me a little bit. Every good thing that's ever happened to me has happened inside a bar. Um, I, uh, a lot of the first time I met my closest friends, uh, I met inside a bar, my, my girlfriend, the reason I'm in Chicago now, um, her and I met at the Avenue in Oakland, um, and so these places aren't just places. They they start holding this mythical legend in everyone's personal story. Um, it it becomes not just, you know, four walls and a bar and a kitchen in the back and a couple bathrooms, but it's just it's 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 a place where things happen. It's a place you go to to move forward in life or to try to hang on to what's left of your past. Um, and when I left DC, it, it happened very suddenly and it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, I had a couple going away parties planned that ended up getting canceled because we didn't feel safe um, because it was around March 10th, uh, which was when, you know, all this stuff happened. And um, like right on the cusp of it, right? Yeah, it was it, the timing of my move is just because, again, we were planning this for months thinking like, you know, the spring, you know, there was there was some like 
Chicago implications is in, uninhabitable during the spring, at least. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. There was there's some like implications with my uh, work 401k that made me want to stay a little longer, and timing with her job, and it was gonna be. It was like we planned it perfectly, and we just didn't account for like oh, kind of crazy that this uh that this really bad flu is giving China such a hard time. Oh well, that will never be our problem, I guess. And then you know it hit, and all of a sudden it was like, ah oh, man, I wish I was listening to the news more um and so and then quickly probably like the rest of us were like fuck i can't deal with any more news <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> everything being piped into my fucking brain is horrifying and turning me into a fucking vegetable <laughs> yeah i i i have definitely like turned into an absolute freak in the last year because of all this stuff <laughs> um but uh I totally lost my train of thoughts, but these, these bars, these places, you know, like I was, I was 23 when I first moved to the area. Um, and I remember when I told, so I think the bar I'm talking about in that is actually this bar called the light horse, uh, which was near where I worked in, uh, Alexandria, Virginia. Okay. Um, cause I lived in DC and commuted out, out, out of the city. Did, had like, a nice reverse commute. Yeah. 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 Like um, that, that like horrifying fortress of like glass skyscrapers right across the Potomac there. Oh, no, no, no. So I, I worked in old town, which is very nice. It's very pleasant. Oh, that's nice. Okay. So you're talking about like the nice part of it. So what am I talking about then? Is that Arlington that I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 Which is a nightmare. It's a, you know, it's where all the Republican staffers live. So right. they don't have to hang out with black people. Just like barely sentient pleated khakis, like with fucking lanyards and Lexuses. Yeah. The, the two most popular bars in Arlington are a UVA bar and a Virginia Tech bar, respectively. And I have almost gotten into a fistfight in both of them. As, Just, as you well should. Where, hey, this is an important piece of the puzzle here. Where are you from from? I am I am from Loudoun County, from Leesburg, Virginia. Yeah. And where did you you didn't go to Virginia Tech or University of Virginia? No, I went I went to Radford, which is yeah. uh, uh yeah, a small college. Yeah, small uh I went to UVA and I wouldn't Oh shit, okay. Dead. I wouldn't be caught dead in a fucking UVA bar outside of DC. No thank you. <laughs> I know the exact type of people that fucking go to those places. Yeah. And I don't want to drink with them. The, it's like, it's crazy that like college game day is a big deal to this UVA bar because I'm like, you guys suck at football. <laughs> suck at everything. I mean, yeah. for a while we were good They're, at basketball, but yeah. our basketball team, even though it's good, theoretically, like also we got fucking uh, beat in the first round. First number one seed to ever have that happen to us. Being a UVA sports fan is like, it's not even masochism. It's like uh, sort of like this weird mix of like, like delusion and disappointment, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I guess I can't talk uh, because Radford was also in the tournament that year. And of course they were 16 seed and got slaughtered. They weren't um, supposed to do anything other than get slaughtered. That's okay. Good for Radford. <laughs> they made it to the dance. That's yeah. the whole point for a team like Radford. Also uh, to get into the dance that year, they had to beat Liberty university. And anytime any school beats Liberty university is a good day. So you did your fucking duty. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. The Jerry Fowler, Jerry Falwell Jr. Uh, uh, industrial complex took a, <laughs> took a beating at the hands of what is the Radford mascot? The Highlanders took a beating at the hands of the Radford Highlanders. Yes, yeah. I'm all in on Radford. Good for you guys. Anyway, shitty bar uh, in Arlington. There was one UVA bar, one Virginia Tech bar. You didn't go to those bars. Yeah. Um, oh, OK, so back back three tangents ago, we were talking about um, me talking about this bar from before I left. Um, and so this, this bar is called the light horse in old town, Alexandria. It, it used to be a dive. Um, and the upstairs still is. So when I first started going there, 
um, the downstairs was closed and it was only upstairs and it was, it was, you know, kind of divey. They had a shuffleboard and stuff. The, the, they got their liquor license taken away from them like three times, uh, in the period that I was going there. Very um, but, good sign. Just yeah. in general, that's a pretty good sign. Yeah. 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 Uh, cause Virginia has weird laws about, um, so much of your money has to come yeah, from the, food yeah. sales. Yeah, um, and they were not doing that even close, uh, which I'm like, Cook the right. books, man. What are you doing? <laughs> Which, to be fair, is another great sign. Like, just, like, absolute fucking scofflaw operation of, like, a controlled substance. Uh, yeah. Is, I'm a big fan, and I think that's a, in terms of, like, indicators that lean towards divishness, like, I feel like that's a big one. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Um, then they opened the downstairs, like, uh, probably a year before I moved. And the downstairs is, like, a nice little, it's, like, I don't know, almost, like, boutique uh, and the the menu is like a little nicer and it's it's got exposed brick and it's very fancy. But the upstairs is still the upstairs. And when I told the bartender upstairs, um, Ryan, that I was that I was moving, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I've been in D.C. for a while and I've been coming here all the time, but I, I got to go to Chicago. He was like, you know, it's been really nice watching you grow up all these years and becoming the man you are now. And it was oh, just wow. like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Like, why how, would you sit? How old was he? He was probably like 15 years older than me. So yeah, like yeah. late thirties maybe. Um, uh, but it was just like, you know, I, I him and I were friends. Um, even like, we never really hung out outside the bar, but sometimes on his day off, he would come in and we would have drinks and we'd hang out when he was there. Yeah. And there's just like this moment of realizing like, Oh my God, like, most of my life has happened inside of this place for better or for worse. Yeah. What do you make of that, man? I mean, grapple with that a little bit for me. Like what you're a young guy. You're it sounds like you're late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. I'm 28. Yeah. I'm 32. So we're around the same age. Like, you know, you spend all this time in uh, like in your early twenties coming out of college, you're drinking like you're fucking invincible and you know, it's going out of style and you own stock and Anheuser-Busch type of thing. Right. And then like, over time, like the way you drink starts to change. Like, tell me a little bit about like, like sort of like how you changed your drinking or how your drinking changed, whether it was intentional or not drinking more in these bars as opposed to in college. I think, I think the best way to talk about this is let me, let me go back. Um, scroll back. Yeah. Uh, before, before I was 21, you weren't drinking. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that there were about three defining moments, um, in, in my, um, in my drinking career feels like a strong word, but history, I guess. I think drinking career, I think is the right way to put it. I understand what you're getting at there. Yeah. Um, so one was, one was in high school. Uh, my sister threw a Halloween party in my parents' basement. Hell yeah. She was like, can you make sure mom and dad don't come downstairs and we don't get in trouble. And if you do, uh, you can have some beers with us after they go to bed. And I was like, cool. Do you remember what kind of beers they were? Yes, I do. They were, they were Bud Lights and they were skunk to all hell, uh, <laughs> which I didn't know. I just thought that that's what beer tasted like. Of course. Like How would you know any better? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I was like 15. Um, parents went to sleep. Most of her friends were asleep, but I, I took two and I was sitting with her because, um, you know, cool older seniors want to hang out with them. And I drank two of them. And then I stood up and I was like, Oh, this is what like being drunk feels like this fucking rocks. I get it now. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah. <laughs> and then, then, then cut to being 20 
and everyone in college had fakes. I was like, I'm, I'm not going to go into a bar until I'm 21. We can drink underage, go to parties and stuff, but I, I want, Radford, I want my 20. 20- Radford was like a big house party type. Yeah, big, yeah. It, it was a big bar town too. But for me, I was like, I want, I want my 21st birthday to be special. And so I want to do something that I haven't done before. And so I can't have my first drink because I've been doing that. Um, so, you know, it'll be my first time I'm in a bar and I can order a drink. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to like bars that much. It's just more expensive house party. What's the appeal? And then I went and I ordered a drink and they made it for me. And I was like, oh, I get it. This is way better. What did this you is, order? I can, it was just like a, like a rum and Coke? I, what did I have? It could have been oh, you know what? good, right? You know, you know what? Okay. So my, my best friend um, is a year and two days older than me. And on the night before my 21st birthday, he took me to a bar, um, kind of a nice cocktail bar in our hometown. And he was like, you know, he's 21 at midnight. Is it cool? And they're like, he just can't leave until midnight, but he can be here. And it was like 11 o'clock. So I was like, okay, yeah, we can get a drink for an hour. And he ordered me an old fashioned. And I was just like, oh, like, and it was like one of those, like they burnt the orange rind type places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so like, this was the first time I ever had like a drink, you know, I was like, I've had drinks before, but I've never, I've never had a, a drink made by someone who actually gives a shit. That was you know? bougie shit for you. I mean, that's still bougie shit now, right? Oh, I, I have not gone back to that bar <laughs> since actually, you know but your it was <laughs> the, the idea was, you know, it's like, you're, you're 21 and I, I just turned 22. So I'm going to, I'm going to take you under my wing and I'm going to show you how an adult drinks. And so my first drink was an old fashioned. Then on my actual birthday, we went to some Irish bar that closed like a week later. Um, and that's when I just drank garbage. I was having like, you know, whiskey gingers and seven and sevens Red and Bull vodka. Oh yeah. <laughs> a lot of that. Um, and so those two moments of like my, my like, Oh my God, I, I figured out I like drinking. I figured out I like bars. And then, then I remember probably sometime in 2019 and I was at the bar with a big group of friends and I was a little too drunk and a little too tired and just I was only 26, but like, I was still like, oh, I'm getting too old. And I ordered, I just ordered like a, like a tonic water or something with ice and a lime. I'm like, just make it look like I'm drinking something. And it was like this realization of like, oh, I can still hang out here. And it's, I just like the atmosphere. I don't have to black out every single night. This is still fun. Um, And that was sort of like, and now, now I drink like a, normal adult i think uh i don't really have anything to compare it to in the last year but uh so you know it was like this this like oh i love drinking oh i love bars and then oh i'm too old for this shit but i still like bars so uh, that's kind of that's kind of where i've ended up on that right right tell me a little bit about the i mean what i'd like to get into a little bit like the thing so i i I cover the the beer industry i also like I, i worked at the local paper here in charleston for a little while I was covering the sort of like drinks and nightlife um, beverage industry scene. And I had done some, some reporting on like our like dive bars uh, in Charleston. And one of the things that's happening here, which is happening in so many American cities is Charleston's being gentrified at a uh, very rapid pace, sort of fucking mock speed here, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's been going on for over a decade at this point. 
a joke down here is that Condé Nast Traveler names Charleston as like the like number one like destination in the world pretty often. Uh, and people are like, please stop doing that. Like <laughs> it's like fucking destroying the city. But there are not as a result. I mean, real estate prices are sky high. And one of the first types of businesses to go to get squeezed out is the dive bar, right? Like these places don't operate with a lot of excess cash. Like the margins are pretty razor thin on fucking like Takate. You know, like <laughs> you, yeah. you can't exactly take a huge cut on a $2 can of PBR, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you get into this a little bit in some of your writing, like the sort of the challenges that bars, that dive bars faced pre pandemic and then certainly during the pandemic with regards to just basically getting gentrified out of the neighborhoods. Like what do you, I mean, you deal with a lot of inbound and you, you know, you, you handle stories and pictures and whatever coming in from all corners of the country. And I think you do a little bit of Canada too. Like what's your take on, on, you know, like the force of gentrification, you know, that narrative that basically like dive bars are getting pushed out. Is that something that you're seeing across the country? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's been happening and, and the pandemic has just absolutely um, put the gas down on it. Um, it's it blows my mind the number of times because um, you know, like I mentioned, I normally have about a month and a half of um, of backlog to go out, and so someone will send me something, and then by the time it actually shows up on the TL, it will have closed. And you know, it's such so like sad. it's it's it breaks my heart every single time because there's every time that I post a bar that is no longer open, there's always this outpouring of people who are just heartbroken about it and telling stories about how great it was and how much fun they used to have there. And I just, I just don't know how some of these places um, are going to be able to hang on after all this. And it's, it's, it's fucking crime, man. I don't, I don't know what the solution is exactly, but we just gotta, we gotta get rents cheaper and get, people to keep these, you know, parts of community in their community. Well, let's talk about that solution because like, you know, I, I people I think across the political spectrum like to claim like dives as their own, right? Like you have like the mm-hmm. fucking um sort of right wing like friends in low places country music type dives that people, you know, like want to claim and then you certainly have like people uh on the dirtbag left who just want to fucking like hang in bars, right? But like and that's so there's get-ins for people across the political spectrum, but like, it strikes me as something that like to the extent that politics are really addressed in dive bars at all in this context, like they are like the politics of like class and race, which are like central to dive bars, like existence, you know, like doesn't really get addressed until oftentimes it's, it's too late. Right. Class in particular is like, well, the whole point of these places is for, people who don't have a lot of money to go get drunk and those people that don't have a lot of money, like those businesses don't have a lot of money either. So what, I mean, what does that solution look like to you? Like, do you think that there's a politics there that sort of gets missed in the discourse? Yeah. I mean, it's, there's no easy fix. Like it's, you gotta, can't wave, can't wave a magic wand. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, it's, it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier about how there's just no, there's no sense of community. Like there's, there's no, there's no um, like town square that people can go and hang out for free and drink or, you know, maybe not even for free. And I, 
it, it comes to the values of like every city and state about whether they want to just tear down a bunch of stuff so they yeah. can be yeah. a bunch of empty condos. Um, you know, like I think, I think, uh, removing the profit initiative to housing would help lower the rent cost of businesses. Um, but that is, you know, that that's, that's something that like people on the left, myself included talk about a lot, but it's not like I can just snap my fingers and just be like, yeah, okay. Profit motive's gone. There we go. Problem solved. And so, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna take organization and large groups of people, you know, demanding that these places stay open and are taken care of. Um, whether if that's done through some sort of, I don't know, like grant program by the city to, uh, declare these places like historical sites or something like that. Um, or, or if it's done by, I don't know, it would be cool for like to do like the, um, you know, Virginia, Virginia owns, uh, all liquor sales in the state, you know, you have to go to ABC. So maybe, maybe have some state run bars. That'd be cool. National nationalize these bars here. (laughs) Would it, what do you think about that? Like like, take that thought experiment one step further. Like, do you want to, I mean, isn't that just a fucking cop bar then? (laughs) Well, okay. So, (laughs) Mm, you know, I, maybe, (laughs) Uh, you bring up a good point. Um, I don't know. I've, uh, I feel like a lot of cop bars I've been in are very much so for profit though. <laughs> yeah, no, good point. Good point. Yeah, no, there is something about like these places, you know, you hear the, the talk about third places, um, and the fact that in America, like these barely exist already and are usually tied to some form of commerce to the extent that they exist at all. Right. Like we don't have a lot of public squares we don't have a lot of i mean structures you know buildings that aren't tied to commerce in some way that people can just go hang out and commune with each other right like so to me it strikes me as like like what we value as a society and like i personally and clearly you as well like value these like comfortable bars these these pleasant community neighborhood bars but without some like dramatic recalibration of how our fucking economy works. Like there's no way that these places can persist. Right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's also like sort of a low priority for anyone in power. <laughs> like I, I, I would vote up. I would vote for someone who was running for mayor on like a save our bars, uh, campaign. But I also just, I don't think a lot of people would take that seriously. Um, I mean, and so even worse than not take it seriously. I mean, that immediately makes you the target of like sort of the fucking uh, moral majority, quote unquote, um, you know, who wants less nominally wants less alcohol. uh, And, you know, I'm saying this again, smart quotes here, but vice in their communities, you know? Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's always competition among like, um, small businesses where they would, people would raise a stink if you showed one favor over the other. And, you know, being in the back pocket of the restaurant association isn't great either because they're all sort of exploiting the bartenders that and the waiters that we love so much. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just sort of a lose-lose for anyone with any sort of power, just not something that they end up touching that much. Yeah. I mean, restaurants and bars by extension are sort of notoriously like, like impenetrable thickets in terms of like, like legislating them well. Right. And it's not to say that people should, you know, that, that politicians shouldn't try, but like it often winds up just kind of failing because it's such a complicated 
industry and workers wind up getting screwed, you know? Yeah. The, in, in, uh, in DC, um, there was a ballot measure. I, it's some, the, the people got to vote for, I think it's called a ballot measure, um, where it was going to get rid of the lowered minimum wage for tip workers. And it passed overwhelmingly, uh, from the people in DC. And then the city council was just like, no, 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 no. And overturned it immediately. And you get people like, like Jose Andres, who is this huge celebrity chef who owns a bunch of restaurants. And he's like, uh, actually, uh, paying bartenders, a living wage is bad because they make so much money off tips that now they're going to be taking a pay cut if you pay them $15 an hour. And it's like, nowhere did we say we're going to get rid of tips. We're just saying, you know, they're no longer reliant on them. Um, and now all of a sudden he's come out recently just being like, we shouldn't raise the minimum wage in DC. And it's just like, where the fuck were you two years ago, asshole? Um, and so like, there's just so much money and power and, these these like you know liberal in name only types like like uh jose andres who has say that they're like all the pro worker and pro restaurant and then really they're just like but only for a very specific kind of restaurant that has already gentrified everyone out of this neighborhood you know right right. yeah i mean that's the classic like limousine i mean it's neoliberalism in a nutshell right yeah exactly cozy up to business and do things that are very superficially like progressive, but the meat of or the substance of you know movements, like for example, like empowering workers and yeah. taking that burden off their backs of of having like most of their income coming from tips, like that gets untouched or that stays untouched, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're way off topic here. I, I apologize for taking you down this this long tangent here. Let's take it home, man. Pandemic's almost over. Uh, have you gotten vaccinated? You got vaccinated, right? You tweeted about this not too long ago. Yeah. So I am, I am two shots and, uh, I think about a week and a half, uh, so you're, in. You're so, like fucking street legal now. Yeah. I, I am good to go. I am, I am after this call, I'm meeting my friend who also is, uh, in the deep, deep into his second shot. So he's okay. And I mean, we're going to try to find somewhere outside and, stay masked up, but we are going to a bar. And what, uh, what's the dive bar that you'll go to for, I mean, it sounds like outside, not necessarily a dive bar. Is there, is there a dive bar in particular, like where you're going to go like sit in the dark and drink a bunch of beers? Is that, do you have one on, on your list for that? Uh, yeah, I have a bunch. Um, probably <laughs> if I go, it, it really depends on, um, who I'm going with. Uh, there's a place, there's a place on my block, which I'm, I'm not going to say the name of it because it is literally next door to my apartment and I don't want to dox myself here. Um, but <laughs> this I, is fair. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that there was a bar there because it was closed all throughout pandemic. And I was walking home one day and I heard saw like lights. This was like maybe four weeks ago. I saw like lights and there was like a guy in a black T-shirt standing at the front door. And I was like, oh, my God has there been like a little shitty bar next to my apartment this whole time? So that's, that's high up on the list just out of convenience. Uh, the Cove in Hyde Park. Um, I got a couple friends who are at the UFC right now uh, in grad school. And so that's very convenient for them. Billy Goat Tavern's a classic in Chicago. I really hope I can get back to DC soon and go to Raven's Grill, which is a beautiful place. Um, so I got a long list for this summer. Right on, man. Well, Brandon Hinky, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great talking about dive bars with you. Tell people uh, where they can find your work. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I am at Pictures of Dives on Twitter and Instagram and picturesofdives.substack. Um, and you can also just go to picturesofdives.com for all of your Picture of Dives needs. Hey, one more question. Can people support the work you're doing? Are you taking donations for this stuff or what? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I have a donation website. You can go on You can go on picturesofdives.com and there's a little... Uh, buy me a coffee button um, in the corner and that leads you to a coffee website. Uh, you can throw me three bucks if you'd like. I'd appreciate it. Um, it will all go to beer. Uh, so, you know, it's going to a good cause. Yes, yes, yes. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Brandon Hanke of Pictures of Dives. I really enjoyed conducting it. If you did enjoy it, please consider sharing uh, this episode with a friend or family member. And if you haven't subscribed to Fingers yet, please do that right this instant at fingers.substack.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Dave Infante signing off from Fingers HQ. Remember, everything is hard subject matter.